Welcome to another edition of our Coaching You Basketball Podcast with the coach, Brendan Sir. I think I've done three podcasts with our next guest, Billy Donovan. Each one takes us to another place. And today, I wanted it to be all NBA. And I think what you find about Billy is he's so darn smart. He's so He's such a good person, and he really, really knows his craft. Uh, The answers that he's going to give you regarding some of the things in the NBA, why things happen in the NBA, are things I've never heard before. So let's sit back, enjoy. But for those of you that love coming to Coaching You, if you love Billy Donovan and you want to hear Billy Donovan, come July 5th to Orlando he's going to be speaking on the 5th there and at Lake Island Prep and the last time that he did us in Orlando uh, just was when he was leaving Florida and going to OKC he's just uh, he's one of the brightest people I've ever met in the game he also did uh, our coaching you event in Indianapolis a couple of years ago on his motion pick and roll offense, which is still one of the best things, I, best lectures we've ever had. Uh, so he's a treasure. He's a treat. Most importantly, he's a great friend. So I really, after you listen to a couple of our sponsors, really enjoy Billy Donovan. I know you will. Hey, let's take a second to tell you about one of our partners, Dr. Dish. Dr. Dish basketball shooting machines are the most high-tech and durable basketball shooting machines on the market today. Each shooting machine was designed specifically for high-repetition training to allow players to improve through technology. Dr. Dish offers game-like training to give hundreds of shooting reps in just minutes and to provide powerful analytics to help players improve their game. Dr. Dish has also introduced Skill Builder, which is the first of its kind of basketball shooting industry that enables coaches and players to stay connected, design and upload training exercises that combine shooting, conditioning, and ball handling into one complete workout, and instantly receive feedback on their workout, allowing for real-time adjustments and improved performance. It is without question the most innovative basketball training machine on the market. It's been the official shooting machine of Coaching You for the last two years. To learn more about Dr. Dish, log on to drdishbasketball.com or follow them on Twitter at drdishbball. Excited now for another edition of our Coaching You Basketball podcast with the coach Brendan Sir and uh, one of my very, very as we say, bestest friends in the world, Billy Donovan, on the line with us. Uh, Billy, thank you so much for uh, visiting today with us. My pleasure, Coach. Happy to be with you. Hey, you know, I'm watching the uh, Eastern Conference Finals yesterday, and I'm watching this uh, young guy, Brad Stevens, trying to coach, and he's pretty good, by the way, and uh, and watching him against that other kid that's not bad, the high school kid, LeBron, and I'm saying, wow, has has have things changed in 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 a few years? Uh, I can remember when Brad would sit there at coaching you or come down to Florida and be in uh, yours and Shy's uh, clinic and be fascinated and in awe of all the X's and O's, and now he's 
pretty good dialer up of ball plays. And, uh, you know, when, when you watch a guy like Brad, and I know you're close to him coaching, what are your thoughts? Well, I mean, first and foremost, the thing that stands out just being around Brad, he's a great guy. Um, I think he's a genuine, real, sincere guy. Um, I think he's a he's a guy that uh, is probably not defined by what he does, but is defined by who he is. Mm-hmm. And um, he's just a good person. And obviously, I think, uh, you know, like all of us in coaching, we all try to work hard at it. We try to learn and get better. And I think Brad is really a guy that's, uh, you know, looked to utilize his situations, you know, at Butler and, and even now with the Celtics as an opportunity to grow and get better and improve. And, you know, it's that never ending quest of, of constant, you know, personal development and growth. Yeah. And, 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 uh, I think, you know, he's really excelled at that. And, and I think also what both of you have brought to the league is that you're, you stayed yourselves and, and, and you're not trying to be someone else, uh, you know, you're working with these fabulous kids, and I say kids, but you're not in awe of them, and you're just coaching. And I think that's the thing that the NBA provides that people don't realize is that if you really want to coach and coach basketball, it's really the highest form of it. Yeah, I mean, you, first of all, you're dealing with players that have a wealth of experience. Um, you know, certainly I think it's different when a, a player is coming out of high school and has never experienced college. And it's different for a college player when they're going to the NBA and never experienced the NBA. Mm-hmm. When you have NBA players that have played in the league for three, four, five, eight, ten years, they have a wealth of experience that they've been through with so many games. So there's really not a lot that these guys have not seen. And there's really not that they don't understand in terms of what, in terms of what goes into winning and preparation and those kind of things. So um, a lot of times because of their experiences over the years in the league playing against such high level competition for 82 games, they grow and develop as players and as people and have a very, very clear understanding of what it takes to be successful. It's the first time I've heard that put like that about experiences, and you know what? I love it. It's it's right on the money. And uh, you know, as you're watching the playoffs this year, you were in them, and now you're watching them. And I never was good at watching them after we lost, but you know. But as you're watching them, because you know, uh, what have been some of your observations of the of the games or the teams? Well, I think what's happening right now is the game has probably changed, you know, quite a bit. Um, I think the first thing is, is that you're seeing, you know, an enormous amount of spacing. You're getting to a place where you look at a guy like Pau Gasol for San Antonio shooting threes. Uh, Lopez for Brooklyn shoots threes. Gasol, Mark Gasol from uh, Mm -hmm. Memphis is shooting threes. You got Jokic from Denver uh, shooting threes. These guys are centers. You look at Porzingis for the Knicks. So, you're starting to see a lot more um, uh, players in the front court that are shooting threes. And I think because of the analytics and so much is driven by analytics, the two, you know, highest percentage shots are the deep paint, you know, when you can get to the rim and then the three point line and then getting to the free throw line, those three things are really important. So everybody's constructing offenses now where you're, you're utilizing the three point line, but in a lot of respects, the three point line is really used, in ways to stretch and space the defense so that you can get easier shots at the basket because you're spreading out the defense. And then 
when you get to the deep paint, uh, obviously that's where the most of fouls occur. So people are getting to the free throw line. So I think in the playoffs, you're starting to see with Houston, with Cleveland and, and Boston and, and even uh, the, the Wizards where they're really, really spaced. And now what happens is you're trying to eliminate um, having to put two people on the ball to defend the ball. And you're seeing a lot more switching and you're seeing teams try to stay man on man and try to have some built-in help and try to keep the ball out of the paint and also be able to defend the three-point line. And with the talent level in the NBA, you know, doing those things is very, very challenging and very, very difficult. That's why I think a team like Golden State has been so great defensively the last several years is because they have the flexibility to switch a lot of different things. Draymond Green at the power forward spot. Uh, and even if they put him at the center spot, they can switch one through five. Um, and that's to kind of contain the ball, take away the three, and keep the ball out of the deep paint. You know, just as you came into the league, I think, uh, is when this whole change really happened. Uh, how has that adjustment been from when you first came in and then now as you're watching this thing, you know, kind of uh, morph right in front of you, how, how has that adjustment been? It's a totally different well, thing of coaching. Yeah, it's, coach it's been great, Coach. I've learned a lot. Um the the thing that uh, I'm fortunate, you know, to, to, to be involved in such a great organization with great people uh, that have helped, uh, there is no question that, you know, going from college to the NBA, it's totally different. The game is totally different. Uh, the hardest part for me when I first came into the NBA was getting a familiarity with team systems and styles. And obviously you watch games on TV, being a college coach, and you watch the playoffs, uh, but really trying to get caught up on the league about how particular coaches and particular teams play systematically, and then obviously devising scouting reports and game plans to go against those teams. So I had a lot of catching up to do my first year, just in terms of, one, the number of games and how quickly they come, two, getting familiar with not only the personnel, uh, but but understanding analytically, you know, is this guy driving left? Is he driving right? Where are spots on the floor he likes to get his shots from? What you can, what can you do to take those things away? Uh, and I had to catch up a lot. And I think once I started to see teams, you know, one or two times, you start to get a better feel uh, of of the players, of the systems, and of the styles. Uh, and that took me some time. And and I had to really, really put a lot of time and energy into watching film and getting prepared and um, having an understanding of, of of a system and how you want to play. You know, when you're in the SEC for years, you know, you're in a 12-team league and then at the end, a 14-team league. And now all of a sudden you're in a 30-team league. And not there's no guarantee games on that schedule, brother. I don't know if you noticed that every, every freaking team on that schedule, even the guys with the bad records, have unbelievable talent and can beat you on any given night, home or on the road. It, it's, an, a huge, it's a huge adjustment from, I think, the college game where not every night you don't I have... Think the when you when you look at the NBA, the players are so good. And as to your point, on any given night, anybody can beat anybody. Right. And the playoffs are a little bit different, as you know, because you're playing seven game series. So a lot of times, in respects, the best teams, you know, end up getting through uh, those series. Uh, but you're exactly right. Uh, one of the things that really helped me my first year was we had such a veteran team that these guys knew the league very well. And that really helped me with just their experience of going against different players. They were really good uh, at, at understanding personnel. Um, 
you know, different players have had a, go, a guy like Russell Westbrook's played against Damian Little. He's played against Steph Curry. He's played against James Harden, played with James Harden. You go down the list, Eric Bledsoe, of all, all the guards that Russell Westbrook's had to play against throughout his career over nine years, he's got a pretty good mental library about what he's got to do defensively uh, in terms of playing against those players because he's played against them before. Uh, that was helpful to me my first year because we were really a veteran orientated team and, and a team that had a, a wealth of experience and uh, a wealth of knowledge. And that was really, really helpful to me. You know, in, in college, I find that, you know, when you, when you prepare for a game, you know, first of all, you know, since you're not allowed to live scout, you know, you don't have a clue about what the names of plays are or anything like that. You know, you're just going out there and you say, this is kind of what they do. And the players, frankly, unless you're playing against Kentucky or Florida or someone really good that has veteran players and they've been on TV, the players don't have a clue who the other guys are, you know. And and so that point about knowing I, – I think the NBA players are terrific at knowing tendencies of guys for the most part, the, the starting players. And that, that's a huge difference. I think in helping to prepare. How did your preparation change? I know I, you know, knowing you and at Florida, knowing how you could lock in on two games a week, and how involved you were in the preparation. How did that change when now you got, you know, seven games every fourteen days? You know. No, and that's that was the, that was the part that was you know obviously very very different. And and you look at the schedule when it comes out, and it's daunting looking at eighty two <laughs> games, but. Uh, one is you have, you know, about 30 days of training camp and the training camp is, you know, predicated on getting your system in, getting your defense to philosophy in. And what you want to be able to do, I th think, is have about 80 percent of what you're doing carry over from game to game. And then the other 20 percent, you know, may need to be, you know, utilized in terms of personnel and adjustments and schemes. So, you know, you may be in a situation where. You know, you're playing against a team that's got two bigs like Marcus All and, and Zach Randolph from Memphis, and you're in your normal pick and roll coverage. Uh, you know, then you come back and you end up going and playing against the uh, Phoenix Suns, and they got Jared Dudley at the power forward spot who shoots over 40% from three, mm -hmm. and now you may have to switch. But what you, I don't think you want to do necessarily is change everything from game to game. But, you know, can you tweak based on personnel? Because I think what's happening now in the league is you have a large number of teams that would be considered playing somewhat small. They're playing with a power forward that can shoot threes and put it down like a Draymond Green or a Paul Millsap. And then you have some teams like Memphis and San Antonio that can play with two conventional bigs. So mm -hmm. you're seeing different personnel lineups. And then coupled with the fact that you are getting some centers now that are shooting three-point shots. So a lot of the uh, your defensive packages and your coverages, in, in a lot of respects, not only are based on the personnel, but it's based on the personnel in the front court. Do you you have stretch big men that are shooting threes? Do you have uh, big men that are posting up? Uh, do you have big men that can play in the pocket and create and almost play like a point guard and make plays for other people? And to your point, when you're playing 17, seven games in 14 days, you know, these things happen quickly. And, you know, those adjustments, you want to be able to work on them in your training camp and throughout the course of the season where you're not totally changing everything from game to game. Bill, how how surprising was it to see uh, how good, and that sounds funny, but how good the stars in the league were? 
Yeah, I mean, it's amazing the shot making ability uh, of the players. Uh, that's that's a thing that's incredible is their ability to shoot the basketball and to score. Um, it's really unbelievable when you, when you consider the fact that you know the three point line from college and even international is pushed so far back, and the the players' ability to make shots from different areas of the floor, and especially when a guy gets going, you know, when a guy sees the ball go through the basket, a lot of times you're not necessarily in a position to stop the guy, but you try to force him to take as difficult shots as they can. But the shot making ability is really, really, uh, you know, impressive. But I think you also see too, that the best players in the league, you know, in a lot of respects are two way players. They can play both offense and defense and have an incredible impact on the game on both ends of the floor. Um, and the talent level, the size, the strength, the speed. And the one thing that probably doesn't get talked about enough is how smart they are. Mm. Uh, you're dealing with highly intelligent basketball IQ people that have a wealth of experience that probably throughout their career, there's nothing that they haven't seen. They've seen uh, traps. They've seen switching. They've seen post traps. They've seen just about everything. And over a period of time, the ability for them over 48 minutes and probably having 100 possessions they have a great ability to be able to read the game and understand the length and time of the game and understand how to impact the game as the game's progressing. You know, I don't <clears throat> I don't care what their SAT scores or grade point averages were. This is their only class they're taking now is NBA professional basketball. In So they're taking a class, so to speak, where they have amazing passion and love for. And it's amazing how guys are brilliant in that in it, just like you t said and it just frightens me when you come to a timeout and all of a sudden you recommend to do something and they shake their head and say no this is what to do and they're right because they're just so darn smart you know and that and, that, and i love that about them no i really have enjoyed that and i think one of the things that happens when you're a college coach and you're taking a player that's a very talented high school kid that's coming into college for the first year. Um, they don't have any college experience. And what you're trying to do as a coach is give them the experience they need to be a productive player. And if you think about it, a, 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 a high school uh, senior who becomes a freshman in college, after his freshman year, he's only got about 30 games under his belt, 35 games. Sure. You know, here in the NBA, a rookie is going to play 82 games and possibly the playoffs. So what happens, uh, you know, from a coaching perspective is you have to utilize, in my opinion, the players' experiences that they've been through because what you just mentioned is critical. They really, really, really have a wealth of knowledge and experience and understanding of what's going on. And there's really probably not any situation that they have not been into. Plus, I've always had great respect for players on the court, what they're seeing, what's going on from their lens, mm -hmm. from their perspective being out there. And then you try to you know, partner with my experience of what I'm seeing going on from the sidelines. And then you try to collaborate in timeouts to effectively have everybody on the same page doing what we need to do in any particular situation. But I think because of the experience and the intelligence level as a coach, you want to you know, utilize those experiences to have them be able to help the team as well you know when you coached 21 years in college you coached 702 games and already in two years of professional basketball you've coached about 200 plus isn't that scary isn't that great 
No, just, it's, it's amazing. Just think what you're Another it's 10 to 12 years, just experience. think what you're going to coach. Isn't that great? <laughs> I love it. Hey, Bill, what about the 24-second clock? You did it with uh, FIBA when you took those young kids overseas to coach the junior teams, the under-19, 18 teams. And I knew you liked it. But isn't it natural for you now already after two years how enjoyable the 24-second clock is? Yeah, I mean, it's, there's so many possessions. The game is so long. But the thing that's interesting, you know, and I dealt with the FIBA, with the USA team, under 17, under 18. Uh, and it was amazing. You watch those kids playing the 24-second shot clock. When the shot clock gets to eight seconds, everybody panics. Right. You know, up here at this level, <laughs> these players understand how long five seconds is. They understand how long three seconds is. They understand that two seconds on a side of the bounds, they can probably utilize a dribble and still get off a good shot. So very rarely do you see end the clock guys in panic situations because they have it down almost to the tenth of a second of what they need to do to generate and create shots, and they know how to play inside of a short clock. And um, you know that's the that's the biggest difference is. Most teams are going to attack early in transition because it's transition defense is hard. Uh, but after that, even when the clock gets down inside of eight, seven seconds, these guys are so gifted and so smart and so experienced. Offensively, they can still generate good shots late in the clock. Let's talk about uh, switching to um, recruiting, your favorite subject when you were a college coach, recruiting. But now you're you're putting a team together when you and Sam Pressy put together together a team it's through three ways the draft which is coming up trades which you had during the season several of them and then free agency you like that better than recruiting well you know people talk to me about it all the time and i think probably for everybody that's been in college for a long time everybody's got recruiting stories the thing that i really enjoyed is i in, in the recruiting process met some great people um and the players that i coach i had the chance to develop some unbelievable relationships and even the players that, you know, we were not able to, um, you know, sign, uh, you develop good, good relationships. But the recruiting has changed so much, you know, when there's so much more involvement in so many different people. And I think a lot of times some of the families are maybe less experienced in the recruiting and they're looking for guidance and, and help. Uh, the, the different part, as you mentioned, was the fact that, you know, up here you're trying to figure out ways to improve your team. And, you know, it's those three ways, you know, whether it's through free agency or trades or, or the draft. And uh, I think Sam Presti and his staff, you know, if you look at the draft, have done an incredible job here in Oklahoma City, uh, you know, doing an, doing an unbelievable job drafting players that have had huge impacts here. Uh, but you're not necessarily dealing with the recruiting up here uh, that you would, uh, you know, through through. Um, through college the one thing that amazed me too with even with the free agency stuff if you look at a lot of these guys the high school kids sometimes take so long to make a decision you know in certain instances if a guy's really talented he will have gone through a recruiting process for two or three years right these guys in free agency the nba players they make decisions in three days <laughs> and uh it, it's amazing you know how quickly and, and some of it, too, I think for a high school kid, it's the first time in their life they're making a really, really big decision. And now I think when you talk about NBA players as they're making decisions on their finances and their families and, you know, what they're doing contractually or if they're going to go into free agency, they're just probably a lot more equipped to handle that at their age because they've been through so many big decisions in their life. And, you know, when the free agency hits in the beginning of July, you know, most of these guys make decisions if they're not going back to their same team 
in a relatively quick span of time. And that's been a lot different and eye-opening, you know, going through the college recruiting that lasted so long in relationship to how quickly the recruiting process up here at this level for free agency happens. It's a lot better. I, I think it, in, in, I think it's one that you, it's going to be, I think you and Brad and, and Freddie Hoiberg really enjoy or will enjoy over the years. Talk about, I think OKC has really special culture, knowing Sam Presti as well as I've done for years. He's one of my favorite people. Uh, how important is culture at professional sports and college sports uh, for an organization? Well, I think it's critical. Um, but I also think this, you know, culture to me, I think a lot of people talk about culture and sure. it's always talked about. But I really believe that culture is created by people. People create culture. Uh, you can want to have a really, really good culture, and the culture may not be great because there's not a shared vision inside the culture, and therefore your culture breaks down. Uh, I think where Sam has done an incredible job is is having a shared, unified vision for the organization um, in every aspect of the organization. But on top of it, I think what makes OKC special, in my opinion, you know, being at Kentucky for five years, Marshall for two, Florida at 19, and you go through these different experiences, you realize that the people make up the culture. And I think Sam has done an incredible job hiring not only really terrifically qualified, smart, intelligent people, he's hired really good people. And I think that when you talk about culture, the first word that comes to mind to me is sacrifice. You all have to sacrifice for each other to help the next person be better. And when you get into a situation where I think it could be selfishness, it could be ego, it could be anything that gets in the way of that, that's when I think your culture starts to break down. And I think part of the reason why the culture for us is so special is because we really have a special group of people working. The uh, the fan base, you know, when, uh, when they moved from Seattle to OKC, I, I, I just didn't have a clue how that was going to work. I remember we went there, uh, you know, when the Hornets had to play there uh, after Katrina. And it was nice. The people were nice and all that. But they have turned into some of the best fans in the NBA. Uh, would you have ever guessed it prior to coming there? How I mean, you know, you watch the games. But uh, coming from, you know, SEC and going into, again, that's football country. Uh, it's amazing how great a basketball fans they are, isn't it? Well, for me, being in Florida for 19 years, it's it's interesting going to different parts of the country, coaching, being in the state of Kentucky, being mm -hmm. in West Virginia, being in Florida, now being in Oklahoma. Um, you know, all the places I've been, the people have been wonderful. Um, couldn't be any more welcoming. I was in a great culture and a great environment at the University of Florida. And my relationship with Jeremy Foley, um, the athletic director there, was really special. Um, my relationship with several presidents that were there was really special. Uh, so when you pick up and you leave a situation like that and you walk into another situation as it relates to community for your family, because as coaches, we spend so much time in our job but our family spends so much time in the community. Um, the people of Oklahoma could not have been any more welcoming, kinder, and nicer to my family. There are special quality and, and, and brand of people there that have great pride in the state, great pride in the organization. Um, the city's thriving. 
in a lot of ways, uh, it's almost like a college environment wow. for our games. Uh, it really is a special place, and it's special because of the support of the people uh, in the state of Oklahoma. You know, it, it's the appearance. I've never, uh, you know, other than coaching, I think, uh, two games there, maybe with the Knicks, never been there, but I'm looking forward to going. Last thing, uh, you know, a young man that I uh, got to know when he was a, you know, young young baby, a sophomore at UCLA, and uh, I really wanted to draft him uh, with the Knicks, and I brought him in. And I said to Mike D'Antoni, who we just hired, I said, Mike, this kid, he's not ready yet, but in two or three years, he's going to be an all-star. And Russ went out, and we, you know, those typical pre-draft workouts, he couldn't make a shot. Couldn't make a shot. And and it's, it, there's no one else competing against him. He just didn't make a shot. And so I just felt bad and everything uh, for him. And Dan Tony walked over to me and he says, boy, you better scout better if that's what you think is going to be a star. And I said, Mike, I'm telling you, he's terrific. Ah, yeah, all right. Uh, recently, I said to Mike, come back on that evaluation with Russell. He says, yeah, you were right. But no one thought he was going to be like <laughs> this, you know. But, I mean, uh, he's just he's such a unique, pleasant guy. But he, I think he's just, I, I can't believe what he's actually evolved to. What's it like working with him? It's 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 amazing because obviously I've only worked with him for two years, right? And you know, last year he was first team All NBA as a player, and right. he was an All Star. And you sit there and you think if you look at his career, and I've taken time to visit with Russell on this, you know, trying to find out more about him. He was not a guy that was heavily recruited. Right. UCLA came in late in the picture. Didn't get a chance to play a lot, um, maybe his freshman year. Didn't start his sophomore year, then started his sophomore year, played the point, played the two-guard spot, and then leaves and goes to the NBA. Uh, Scott Brooks gives him a great opportunity with a young team and puts the ball in his hands, and he got a chance to learn and grow and develop. Right. If you look at every single year that he has been as a player going back to high school, he's gotten better every single year and I asked him I said have you always been this athletic and he said no he said it really started to happen as I started to get towards college my senior year freshman year in college sophomore year, I started to become more and more athletic but it's a great uh I think lesson for young people is he has a strong desire to get better and he wants to get better and Everybody sees the athleticism, the jumping, the passion. It, it, it's, it just stands out and comes off the screen when you watch him play. But the one thing that people don't get a chance to see is his mentality in terms of the way he studies. Um, when we talk about the next opponent, he's watched film. He's, he's, he's studied who he's got to guard, what's going on. He works at his craft. And he has got a uh, an incredible ability to improve uh, every year. And he finds different things to improve upon. And I have no doubt that he'll be better next year than he was this past year. Imagine that. That's scary. And I, I, I just don't know if I've ever seen in 36 years that I've been involved with the NBA a performance like I saw this year. I, I mean – 
and I came in the Liquid Magic Bird. <laughs> so I don't know if I've ever seen anything like this. That's how dominating and 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 it's just fun to watch. But more importantly, it's really been fun to to watch you enjoy yourself and and most nights enjoy yourself and uh, you know, <laughs> most and, and you know and and because this is something that you know you prepared for, you worked at, and you had to make sure that you know you were ready and i think you know once you what you were in you i knew you were going to be all in and i'm i'm so happy that you're enjoying it and uh yeah i'm really happy that you know we're going to get to see each other you know in another month uh during the summer league in orlando and uh billy i can't thank you enough for letting us catch up with you and talk to you about your ideas about basketball and stuff and as always your friendship means the most to me you're a great friend, Coach, and I always appreciate spending time with you. I look forward to seeing you soon. All right. Love you, brother. Thanks so much. Love you, too.